You're listening to Scribblers Radio. You're listening to Scribblers Radio. You're listening to Scribblers Radio. Hello and welcome to The Conversation Caravan, young podcasters interviewing authors and visual storytellers at Scribblers Festival 2022. This is Lucinda and Leela speaking with Perth's own visual storyteller, Ashka. In this wonderfully descriptive conversation, they talk about criticism, inspiration, and what it means to be a visual storyteller. Hi, I'm Leela. And I'm Lucinda. And, and today, today we're, we're here with, with Ashka. So we're going to start off by asking you some questions. Okay, so how do you make the connection between pictures and words in your work? Ooh, this is an interesting question. I think my brain is very picture-oriented. So my whole life, everything's been a little animation film in my head. So if you say something to me, I, or if it's an emotion, or if it's a complicated idea, I think of it as a picture first. And then I have to translate it into words. So I've realized recently, this is not how everyone else thinks. And I was like, oh no, uh, I just assumed that's what everybody did. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, words are important, but I feel like pictures are the way that I intuitively understand and connect to the world. And of course, words are then the way I um, translate those connections, you know? So I think yeah, for me, yeah. that it's that's the, that's the connection. And when I try to express myself, um, I think I use pictures, I rely on pictures more. Words are uh, links between the pictures, but I'm trying to express myself in pictures because that's where I feel more comfortable in. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So your art style is pretty unique. Can you tell us cool. a bit about how you found it? Oh, thank you. I still feel like I'm looking. (laughs) I really feel like it's just a continuation of a long journey. It's always a bit frustrating, I suppose, because um, I've been drawing my whole life and uh, I get, you know, inspiration from everywhere. And I always look at people around me who are so good, right? And you think, wow, I'd love to be as good as they are. And so I, I... study and I try to get better and then there's always somewhat better that's always going to be the case right and so it's like this journey you you keep on finding new things um new things influence you like maybe a new art style or a new tool like a technique and then I think oh maybe I should be more minimalist which is really hard for me because I'm like a maximalist you know I put everything in every picture and it's so busy um so there's all these ideas and I think that's why my art is I feel like it is kind of evolving, but I'm I'm so happy that you think that I have a unique style because from my perspective, it's very hard to judge that. And sometimes there are moments where I feel a bit lost in all of that, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love it. You know, I do it because I love it. And, and if I stopped looking, I think that would be the end. It'd be like, there's no point in continuing, which will never happen, of course. Yeah. So I'm like, I like the, the idea that even in the mornings when I open Instagram and I look at all this awesome work coming in, you know, that already gives me ideas. Or the latest animation shows that are coming out, I love it. And so, yeah, it's, it's great to be kind of growing and evolving. But it's just been a lot of looking. I suppose that's a quick answer to your question. Looking, looking, yeah. and I'm still looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you prefer to do traditional or digital art? Oh, so I um I definitely started as a traditional artist because I'm quite old. So when I started, there was no digital or, or digital was very, very simple. So you, you use the mouse to make very simple shapes on a computer. Um, and I'm a line artist. So I'm interested in ink and pen and biros. That's what I've always used uh, to kind of layer into shapes more uh, more so than color, etc. But what happened at one point um, is I realized that when I was um, when everything became digital and you were putting things online or printing, everything had to go through the digital process. And if you draw line work, a lot of the time when you scan it, it, it takes ages to clean it up. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends how you work, but I'm quite messy. As I said, I'm a maximalist. And I got frustrated and I moved into digital because it just meant that I could cut the whole cleaning stage out. Uh, and I found that there were brushes that could imitate some of the techniques like inks and pens that I really love. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I found that, it just opened up a new avenue for you. Since then, I've been basically working mostly digitally, but my original ideas always come from pen and paper. Yeah, that the first idea is always yeah, drawing. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um can so you're like a visual storyteller. So, can you define what visual storytelling means to you? So, um I l- much prefer the word visual storyteller because it's a broad umbrella term for a lot of things that you do when you contribute visually to to work or you make visual work. Um I think um the word illustrator has lots of different meanings and it's quite old school so it has some baggage from the olden days um and that baggage was that long time ago before we had photography and uh you know it was very di- difficult to print photos or make good photos there was no photoshop people would hire um artisans to basically paint a realistic object and then let's say you know sell a shoe or sell a handbag and it was a, this beautiful painting that was very realistic and that's what an illustrator used to be and of course as we moved on into this world where photography has become everywhere ubiquitous um illustration became this amazing craft of of imagination and intelligence and people are using these uh, so many different things to express themselves and and whole, you know publishing is a great example of that picture books and the whole world of imagination but i feel like the term um carries still with it that old um you know kind of uh, kind of passivity and that's why i like visual storyteller i think visual storyteller means that the people who are drawing are also contributing majorly to the stories they are creating new worlds they are writing with pictures and uh they're solving problems rather than just responding to uh the text or something that's out there a bit yeah. more like free and modern almost exactly yeah it's updating the term and makes you kind of stop and think like oh what are they doing you know yeah. what is a visual storyteller yeah. it's like especially as we move into mediums like comics where um the images are the main thing that then carries the story and and so it's so interesting like the overlap of the words and pictures and it all blurs and becomes this new thing it's hard then to just partition it in the middle right and say mm-hmm. this person did this and this person did that it becomes this cool coalescence of ideas and i think visual storyteller has space to accommodate that yeah yeah, yeah. you're a science communicator and an ex-quantum physicist can you describe what these occupations entail <laughs> <laughs> sure so quantum physics uh is the physics of tiny teeny weeny itsy bitsy particles that make up our world and on that scale everything is really crazy and wonderful so all that everyday rules like uh you know a, a ball rolling down the hill or you running into the wall and smacking your face they don't apply on that scale things will tunnel through walls and uh, strangely entangle so it's really cool it's like sci-fi but it's real and so i loved researching that and studying that um and a, a lot of the time it involved laser work and making uh, magnetic traps etc but i did move away from it because in the end i realized that i enjoyed more talking about it and mm-hmm. communicating the science as well as making cartoons about my work to explain some of the complex ideas and um that kind of smoothly moved me into science communication which is as it sounds um more a craft of uh explaining in simple terms what science really is and how it relates to everyday's everyday lives 
So, you know, science, I don't want people to think that science is this thing that only some people do and you have to be smart and you have to have a lab code. I mean, we do science every day. You know, you go to the kitchen, you do science. Your door keeps on slamming shut. You shove something underneath it to stop it. That's science. You've just came up with a solution to an idea. We do that every day. And with technology, I mean, you are solving problems, I'm sure, with your technological devices every day. So, you know, I think the more we empower everyone, uh, the more they feel like, yeah, I've got this. And it's a good attitude. Science gives you that, you know, like, I've got all the skills I need to solve any problem yeah. and it gives you this good equipment yeah, it does. yeah yeah so you like there's stars in their eyes is like recently published mm-hmm. and so can you tell us a bit about like working on the book yeah sure that was such a cool project to work on i was very lucky that Fremantle press uh, approached me uh, to see if i was interested to to you know work on this project um just walton is a, a queer disabled writer from victoria and they wrote a short story which then later um was adapted by them into a screenplay. So it's basically a play, you know, two characters talking and uh, with some stage instructions. And just did that on purpose to leave space for the medium of comics to tell the rest of the story. So we have a really strong setup of characters, their personalities and this fantastic, you know, banter between between them. But that's it, right? And then it was left for me to create the world through the comic of what's happening, what are they doing, how are we going to engage the reader into these two conversation over 200 pages like imagine if you just drew two people sitting on chairs talking and the heads just moving it's not a very interesting comic right so the, that's the, the challenge right how do you make it visually interesting how do you Im- immerse the reader in the conversation is it because you show how the characters are moving is it their hands or how they're you know their tick of like moving their hair behind their hair or are we showing what they're talking about or are we doing flashbacks you know there's so many cool medium um, tricks like in a movie that you can use and also, of course, working out the, the, what I call engineering of the comic, which is um, page turns, etc., how it's going to flow. And um, I did, of course, had to consult with Jess on, on this because um, the main character in the book, Maisie, is an amputee. And so is Jess. And I, I'm not. So, of course, if I'm going to be uh, trying to convey the feelings and the perspective of the main character, I need to know a lot about this to be convincing so that not only other people can get the right insight, but the people who are disabled and have never seen themselves represented before feel like this is a true representation, you know, mm-hmm. of what they will go through. So that involved a lot of research and um, a conversation with Jess and some Zoom um, kind of call and snapshots. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. I, I learned a lot and it's changed my way of looking at the world as well and how disability fits into the world and, and yeah. how to kind of even yeah. think about disabled people in our society you know like this book is really good at showing you what it's like to go through life being disabled and how the world perceives you and that's maybe something that some of us have never like myself have never thought about uh, because we haven't that kind of had the opportunity so yeah that, that it was a really great project on so many levels and I'm so happy that it's out there and people are reading it and um, yeah I'm hoping great things will happen maybe maybe we just will make it into a movie next or something yeah. I hope so <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it yes yeah, it was a really good book. oh that's awesome yeah. fantastic is there any ever frustration when working with other visual storytellers or authors I really enjoy collaborations uh, each one is very different um, and often you don't end up having a relationship with the author of the text more with their text because you don't really meet most of the people like me and Jess have never met in person 
um, as I said, we've had maybe a Zoom call and we've had interviews together. But And a lot of authors are like that. They live on the other side of Australia. But their text, you know, that's like an intimate representation of their thoughts. And I spend so much time with it that it's this like strangely removed relationship between me and their vision. Um, so, and, and most of the time I'm really lucky and no one kind of meddles with what I'm doing. So I get to just do my own work. And and, um, and so, so I like that. But, you know... I guess you could consider um, if you other situations, like for example, if you work with a bigger publisher and there are more people like art directors and editors who have a lot of feedback for you, some people might consider that frustrating, but actually it's the best way to learn. Like I think the more input you get when you're working and the more changes and adjustments are asked of you, that's actually exponentially improving your skills. And I, I actually, actually probably like a little bit more of that in the future, so I'm hoping to engage myself in that those set of collaborations but no really it's always been um, such a great opportunity because you know you're taking someone's kind of idea and and vision and then ter- adding your own vision as a um, very like again visual person mm-hmm. and turning it into a completely new thing and it's a, more than a sum of its parts and it's always such an exciting uh, thing to see the final product to see the books on the shelves and and also see the reaction of the people involved yeah. going yeah. wow you know I never thought about this and mm. yeah so it's, it's lovely mm. Mm. yeah so do you have like any advice f- or tips for like aspiring visual storytellers oh so many <laughs> <laughs> but I think the best thing I would say is to get your work out there as soon as possible. And I know that can be scary and you might think, oh my gosh, I'm not ready and you know, I'm gonna be embarrassed. But there's so many ways today to move around that. Like for example, you could, um, if you're allowed to have a social media account, you could have it under a different name. So people don't need to know it's you, but you could put work out there and make connections with other makers and get feedback from your peers and it's really interesting how much you learn. You can volunteer for things, like if there's a poster competition or some sort of event and they need someone to do some visuals, you know, you could try to get involved in those kind of um, opportunities. And the more your work is out there being seen, the more that it will become alive and you will get better and you'll be motivated to do the next thing. It's those little, you know, organic deadlines that you have. Also, you make connections that are so important. Like I've lived in Perth now for 16 years and because... I've, I'm always really busy and involved in things. I've got connections from all the way back, you know, to this day. And these people are now in more important positions. And these friendships and relationships really help in the future. You, you don't know the person you're working with right now might end up being, you know, some sort of festival director in the future. Yeah. And then you're going to be like the right hand person. At the, so it's really fantastic. Just beautiful, organic um, kind of yeah, networking and, and being alive, being part of the creative community I would really encourage you to do that so yeah. it's, it's one thing you know to stay home and work and I understand a lot of creatives like that so do I <laughs> but it's nice to sometimes have those goals like you know I'm going to make something for the festival I'm going to have something ready for the zine fair just to sell a little book and it gives you something to work towards and makes it your work uh, alive and being out there yeah yeah that's really good tips for any yeah, aspiring is. authors and stuff um do you have uh, any kind of favorite characters out of all the comics you've drawn? Oh, it's a hard question. So many. Um, I, I mean, back one of my first uh, comic collaborations was the Cosmic Adventures of Alice and Bob, which I did with Christy Byrne, and I still really like Alice, who was like the really um, f- 
fired up maker. So, so Bob was like the designer and the thinker and Alice was just like, let's just make it. So I like that, I like that hands-on approach. But, um, oh, you know, I love all my characters. I have to, you know, that they're, yeah. they're my, um, they're, yeah, they're strange parts of me, I suppose, that just escape onto the page and run amok. <laughs> and on my, in my private work, you know, I do a lot of work about myself, but whether it's really me, I don't know, but it's like different manifestations of me and me processing myself and my day and um, my thoughts and... Yeah, I think I must do that in all the characters uh, because otherwise I, they wouldn't feel true to me. You know, they have to have a part of me uh, through which I kind of, un- you know, there has to be an entry point to the character and that is always something that I identify with myself yeah. in the character. And it was definitely the case with Maisie as well. Like, I loved how stubborn she was and how she, like, she was a really go-getter and she knew the world would be tough, but... Um, so this is from the character from Stars in Their Eyes. But, um, yeah, she just, she just knew she, was, she had to go and... She, go and be herself and I really liked that about her so that yeah. was my like real strong connection with her mm. and um, yeah it's a tricky question tricky question <laughs> yeah <laughs> you like love all your characters yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, hard to choose. of course they're all your babies right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah if you've ever gotten any criticism like how do you take that on oh that's a good question I think I have to sleep on criticism because I guess in a lot of criticism, there's always something really useful. And the first reaction is usually emotional. So that's why you want to sleep on it and let that seep in and go away. But then um, it could be, yeah, there's some interesting truths in in criticism. Some of them can be uh, very constructive and give you a next point of um, where you should go, how you should try to do things differently. And others... Uh, maybe just more our comment on the person who said it and you think well you know actually I think that I didn't do anything incorrectly here and I think it just means that you didn't understand what I was doing so so I think that's why um, that's how I would deal with it I would just mm-hmm. let it sit and then see if I can extract anything useful from the criticism but I think it's really good to have feedback both good yeah. and bad yeah in fact you know if you just get yeah it's great feedback you don't get very far right so it is nice to occasionally be told you know I found that really confusing or that didn't work for me and then you can go away and and see it differently yeah 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 yeah. so yeah try to be try to take everything as a gift I guess as they say (laughs) yeah Yeah. so how do you come up with ideas and like get inspiration for your comics and oh great question it's it's hard to find where I don't, you know, come uh, up with ideas. I think uh, everything I do, everywhere I go, everyone I interact with and their work has some sort of impact on the next idea. But when I when they really come to head is when I'm cycling. So I like to go for a little ride, like about one hour rides in the morning before I start work because most of my days spent sitting in front of the computer. And when I'm riding my bike, I will often have uh, these these ideas from the last week or so coalesce and maybe make a new direction or a story and um, it's fun because they, they seem so great when I'm cycling and then by the time I get home it's kind of like a melted scoop of ice cream you're trying to go like oh what was it again and, and you're trying to remember and yeah, write it down like a dream. <laughs> exactly yeah. it's kind of like a dream exactly but this um, yeah I think it's again it's important to just be out there and interact with the world and other makers and other creators and that's where uh, you will kind of overlap that with your experiences and that's where the ideas will come what happens with me yeah um well did you always want to be a visual storyteller like since you were a kid yeah you know it's funny I um yes so I was uh, I'm the only child so I spent a lot of time 
in the room by myself. Everyone loved it. I was always occupied. I was always drawing, inventing, like, I don't know, a, a, a new instrument that I would play on the table and imagine it would play. Or I would put, like, eyes on oranges and apples and give them to people <laughs> as gifts. And they'd be like, what is that? I'm like, ha-ha. You know, just, that was kind of what I loved doing. And when, it, when I went to school and people went, oh, you should be an artist, I went, don't you dare tell me what to do. And this is kind of the main reason I went to science. But it is because of visuals. Like mathematics for me is very visual. You can graph things. But, you know, that's kind of why it was like rebellion. I'm not going to do this. But, of course, then organically I came back because science, in a way, went back into visuals. So I feel like it's chosen me. I had never a choice. I just had to be a, a visual storyteller. Um, yeah, there's a real thread in my life of wanting to put things together into a story to make sense of them and to do that through pictures. Yeah. So like a necessity but yeah that's um it's so fortunate you know that i can use it now and make a job out of it like i would have never thought that was possible yeah and i'm really happy that i can share that excitement with everyone else yeah that's great yeah and so, even be here and talk to you guys yeah awesome. <laughs> so much fun um well it looks like we've kind of run out of time so thank you so yeah, much for coming, for coming and talking to us it was really nice to have you oh my gosh yeah. it was such a pleasure thank you yeah. um yeah it's wonderful thank you thank you <laughs> Thank you so much. That was amazing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scribblers Radio, recorded on Nungabuja at the Conversation Caravan at Scribblers Festival 2022. For all the conversations, more info about the festival, or to be part of our next Conversation Caravan podcasting series, head to scribblersfestival.com.au. If you can hear me, shout yay.